If you if you got your Bibles, turn to Lamentations in the Old Testament. Lamentations chapter 3. You can look on your notes, following your note guides with us. But Lamentations chapter 3 is, is where we'll be just to start this off. You know, when we do a relationship series... Um, Everybody in this room can have mixed feelings. <clears throat> Some of you are in a great marriage right now, and everything is kind of hitting on all cylinders and all is well. Some of you, maybe, maybe you're here, and it's a last-ditch effort to save your marriage, and uh, you're, you're, you're in a rough place. Some of you in here are about to get married, uh, and so you're ramping up to get excited for that. Some of you are not married. You're single. And, and so this series, we're going to try to hit all of those genres of people, no matter where you are. I believe God's got something for you in this series, and he's got something for you today. So Lamentations chapter 3, if you're there, say I'm there. All right, so it says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is down, downcast within me. Now, it's kind of a different kind of verse for a, for, for a relationship series. But this is what's happening. This guy is mourning over some stuff that's happened in his life. He's had some regrets. He's had some past mistakes. And he's looking back over those. And he's just filled with a lot of bitterness. And his soul is downcast. And it's just been a hard, hard season. The reason I share that is because the, the reason we called this series From This Day Forward was because all of us, I think, if we look back in our past, maybe in the marriage that you're in now, our relationships that have failed, all of us can look back and see some areas that we need to improve in. But I love this. From this day forward, it doesn't have to be that way. From this day forward. You can have a from this day forward type of moment. And that's why I love this. That, that, that line from this day forward, you know where that's taken from, right? Your wedding vows. Your wedding vows actually say, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I'll read it here. I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife or husband to have and to hold from this day forward. Now watch what's, what continues to happen in this verse. Not only is he kind of lamenting over the downcast of his soul, look what the next verse says. Yet, yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. If there's anything we want you to leave here, no matter how you walked in, that you walk out of here with hope. And this is what he says. I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is the idea of this series. That every day you can have a from this moment forward. From this day forward moment. Relationships can be quite discouraging. I think specifically for those in here that maybe are single, it can be extremely discouraging, especially when we're doing a predominantly married series. You're, this is just an opportunity for people to know that you're still single. And uh, there's a story of a guy who was constantly being told of, of how single he was. Every time he went to a wedding, there were all the old ladies in the church would come up to him and go, don't worry, honey, you're next. And so immediately following every wedding he would go to, these old ladies would come up to him and go, don't worry, honey, you're next. So he decided that he would just start saying that back to them at funerals. Don't worry, honey, you're next. <laughs> don't do that. That's mean. Okay, don't do that. Here's the question that we want to answer in this series, though. Are great marriages possible? Do you believe it? Great marriages are possible. God wouldn't have called us to 
to be married if they weren't possible. But let me tell you this, the odds are stacked against you. Statistics show nowadays that whether you're saved or not, whether you love Jesus or not, the statistics are proven that 50% of, of marriages will get a divorce. You have a 50-50 chance. How many know that's not a good odd? One out of every two. One out of every two will have, a, will have the chance of probably not ending well. You and I have those odds. And the truth is, you would not take those odds in any other areas of your life. Let me prove it to you. You're going to go get on a plane. You go get on a plane, and all of a sudden the pilot comes over the intercom. Excuse me, everybody. I just wanted to let you know if they did not tell you, you have a one out of two chance of this plane successfully making it to where we go. I would say, get me off of this one and get me on Southwest, okay? Nobody would jump on a plane that the pilot goes, well, we got a one out of two chance we might make it. Nobody's going on that plane. And yet we do this in marriage all the time. So this is the premise behind the series is we want to help increase those odds. I don't want them to be 50-50. I'd like them to be 100%. I'd like us to, how many want to get the number up? Let's get the number up that your marriage will succeed. There's four things that you and I need to be doing in our lives in order for us to get those numbers up. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to give you a sample taste of what this entire series is. We normally don't do this, but I'm going to tell you what all four messages are going to be before I preach them. Here's the first one. This is today. Write these. This is in your notes. Here's, here, write the first one down. Seek God. Seek God. If we want to have a great, thriving, successful marriage, we've got to seek God. This is the most crucial. I'll spend today on that point. But let me share the other three. The next one is fight fair. Fight fair. You know, I do a lot of premarital counseling right now, and every time I ask them, hey, you know, do y'all fight? And they're like, no. I'm like, just get married. <laughs> All right, just wait. Fight fair. How many of you know fights are inevitable? Relationships, you put two sinners together, it's going down. Ring the bell, okay? And so how do we do it? How do we fight? Because here's the deal. Fights are going to happen. How do we fight in such a way that when we do, it's not destructive but constructive? Do you know there's a godly way to fight? You're going to fight. It's going to happen. But there's a godly way to do it. We'll talk about that next weekend. The third weekend we're going to talk about is have fun. Now, this is the romance one of the four parts. And so, guys, set this on your calendar. February 21st, we're talking about romance. If you have children under the age of 13, you might want to put them in OSC Kids for this one, by the way. Um, I'm not going to be rude or crude, but we are going to get into some things. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I see some guys already writing down the dates. February 21st, invite all of my friends. Okay, so <laughs> it's going to be fun. Uh, last one is stay pure. Stay pure. This is this commitment that we're going to make to not be like the rest of the world. The rest of our culture is, is not pure when it comes to relationships. We're going to teach you how to stay pure and how to live pure. So here's the first question. First question we've got to ask today is seeking God. Seeking God. So we're going to make these four commitments to seek God, to fight fair, to have fun, and... Okay, so how do we seek God? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first. Underline, highlight, circle that word. Seek first. Something about the priority of where we put things. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things. Underline that one. 
All these things will be given to you as well. Let me, let me tell you what seek first really means. It just means that I'm going to go after all things God. I'm going to go after all things God. I'm going to seek first God. I am going to put him first in my life, first in my marriage, first in my relationships. Let me tell you this. When you put God first, when you get involved in what God's doing, God gets involved in what you're doing. That was good. And so that is the principles of what happens in our lives when we do Matthew six thirty three. When we seek first God in our marriages, in our families, then God gets involved. Look, it says in all these things, your marriage, your problems, your job. If you need things, how many need some things in your life? You need some help. God says, if you, if you need some help, don't go try to get help. Don't go try to fix your stuff. Seek me, you seek me, you'll get the help that you need. Now, let me, let me talk to single people real quick here, okay? Um, because single people, you, you, we have this myth that, that you believe that once you get married, you will be complete. Thank you, Jerry Maguire. You will not be complete, okay? And let me prove it to you because this is what we think. We do think when I find that one, then, then everything will be all right. And everything's going to be work out the way it is. Write this down. This, put this in your notes. Whatever you idolize, you will eventually demonize. Whatever you idolize, you will eventually demonize. You, you know how I know that? You can just ask this guy. This guy that's on the screen. Let's show who this guy is. This guy understands what it is to be idolized. And he also understands what it is to be, uh, y'all know? Okay, next to Jesus is probably one of the most loved men in Louisiana. <laughs> Let him lose. Let him lose. And then he becomes the most hated man. Did anybody watch this season? Anybody, am I the only one who watched LSU this year? Oh, we love him. We love him. We love him. Fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him. And then you get this. Celebrate. We love less. Can you make up your mind? Do you love him? Do you not love him? You know why you can't make up your mind? Because what you idolize, you will eventually demonize. And the same way works in relationships. If you idolize somebody, then you'll eventually demonize them. Let me show you how it works. So you find this cute guy. He's amazing. He, he's just so laid back. You know, he lets you do whatever you want. He's just so chill. And you're like, I love him. He's so laid back. Nothing gets to him. Ten years later, you're like, he's a bump on a log. He ain't doing nothing. Right? Right? Yeah. Okay. How about guys? Oh, I love this girl. She's so organized. She's got everything in order. She's so detailed. I mean, she loves having things in a certain order. Love it about her. Ten years later, she's a control freak. Get me out of this place. Anybody with me? What you idolize, you will eventually demonize. So be careful that you don't idolize people or things because this is why we do this. Let me tell you why we do it. We idolize people because we're expecting things from people that only God can give. You're expecting things from a, a spouse that only God can give you. So if you buy into the lie that, oh, when I get it, I'll be complete. Well, what happens when he fails you? You with me here? Now, all of a sudden it, it goes wrong. I'll share that in just um, more in just a minute. Let's write this one big thing down here. Write this down. God is my one my spouse is my, yeah, you're pretty smart. 
God is my one. My spouse is my two. So how do we, how do we practically apply God is my one, my spouse is my two, my two. If you are, and don't be ashamed about this in any regards, because this is a gift and this is awesome. And I'm glad we have more and more of you in this house. If you are single today, you want to be married at some point in your life. Raise your hand all across this room. Come on. You single, maybe divorced. You want to be married. Okay. Keep your hand up. Look around. Look, y'all looking around. Okay. I'm trying to help you out here. Okay. Trying to, Y'all see what? Keep your hand up. <laughs> this is hey, this is all that I ask. When you get together and you have your first child, name him Joshua. That's all. That's all I'm asking. I mean, I think it's a pretty simple request. Hey, I, you know what? I, I I met my wife in church. Pastor Zach met his wife in church. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with meeting your wife in church. Ain't nothing like you lifting your hands in worship and just kind of looking, scanning the room. I praise you, Jesus. Is she here? Just talk to me. She here? I know you because you sit in the back and then you sit in the front and then you sit on the left side and the right side. I mean, you're just scanning everyone. It's all right. Guys, go after it. I'll tell you guys. Hey, let me give all the single guys in here a tip. All right? I'm going to give you a tip. This is for free. If you want to take me out to dinner later to bless me, you can. If you want to, if you want to get a great godly woman, go serve in OSC Kids. All the great godly single women serve in there. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. So single people, all my single people, write this down. Married people, you write this down too because you need to give counsel to singles. But here's, here's, here's the practical point for, for us if you're single in here. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this Jerry Maguire, you complete me myth, okay? So if you, and you believe it more than you actually think. It's funny, and you go, ah, no, I would never do that, but you do. And let me show you how you do. Because you feel like until you find Mr. or Mrs. Right, your life is not fulfilled. And you buy into this, I promise you. Let me show you how this plays out. We buy into this lie that I am... And, and, and let me tell you, if you are single here, you, you, are, you are just as completely fulfilled as any people in here married. It's not when you get married, you're finally like, oh, I'm finally somebody. No, it's not that case at all. Because if you believe that, then you'll go searching for Mr. and Mrs. Right. And that's not wrong at times. But if you think it's all in this person, this is what's happened. You finally find who you think is Mr. and Mrs. Right. I mean, they got the looks. They love you. Maybe they're laid back. You got your checklist. I mean, they meet all the requirements. Everything seems to be good. You, you go out on dates. Everything's amazing. Floating on cloud nine. Let's get married. So you get married, and then all of a sudden, it turns ugly. And what you idolized, you start demonizing. What was cute and funny annoys you now. Oh, that was so cute. I hate that. Okay. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It just kind of works that way. I'm telling you, you're going to see, you see this play out all the time. I've done enough counseling sessions. And so what ends up happening is you, all the things that you used to love so much, they start annoying you. And so you start growing a little distant to each other. There's a lot more fighting and feuding going on. And so what do you decide? How do we fix this? We have a baby, right? You know what? Let's bring a baby into this. It'll fix it. (laughs) And so you have a baby, And then all of a sudden you get no sleep, you lose sleep, you lose your freedom, you lose control, you lose your mind. 
And now, no longer are you even, like, now you've got a baby that, that sleeps in between you two. So what used to be your little bed, and now it's a threesome, and it's a little crowded. And uh, if anybody slept with a child, you know that's not comfortable. Definitely not good for the marriage. We'll talk about that on another week, maybe. Um, and so what ends up happening? You were distant before. Now you had a child. Everybody puts their attention on the child. You're not putting any attention on each other. And this is what happens. You go to work, and there's this really hot-looking guy that now starts talking to you. And he starts saying all these great things, and you start just sharing all your feelings about this guy at home that doesn't give you any attention anymore and all the stuff that bought. And then you realize, I married Mr. Wrong. He's Mr. Right. And so you go, you file for a divorce to go marry again to someone who you think now he's going to fulfill me. And then guess what? Ah, It happens all over again. You know why? Because you're always marrying Mr. Wrong. And here's why, though. Because uh, you, you, you you can write this down if you want. You aren't a lonely person in need of a soulmate. You're a sinner in need of a savior. You're not, listen, you're not a lonely person in need of a soulmate. Oh, if I can just get a soulmate, then my soul will be fulfilled. No, no, no. You're a sinner in need of a savior. You need Jesus. Here, you're expecting something from somebody that was only meant to come to you through God. And if you elevate a wife or a husband at that level and then they fail you, guess what you do? You demonize them. They drop to this level. And you repeat this cycle for one marriage, two marriages, three marriages, four marriages. Gary Thomas put it this way. Marriage doesn't solve emptiness. It just exposes it. So if you go into marriage empty and think, oh, when I go to marriage, I'm not going to be empty anymore because I got a spouse. No, it'll just expose that you're just that empty. Because this is what's going to happen. If you go into marriage lonely, you'll just be married and lonely. That's how it's going to work. Because no man, no woman has ever been designed by God to fulfill what only God can fulfill. Come on, that's good preaching right there. Come on, I need you to respond to me. When you res- I'm a holler back preacher. You holler back, I preach better and faster. Which, by the way, is why I love black people, by the way. Let me just tell you. Let me just go ahead. All my black people in here, I absolutely love you. White people, I keep up with you. Black people, I love you more. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because white people will sit and stare at you in the message. And then in the hallway, on the way out, they'll be like, good message, good message, good message. Black people, by the way, they'll preach with me in the message. Now, they won't talk to me in the hallway, but they'll preach with me in the message. They'll preach with me in the message because everything they wanted to say, they said while I was preaching. So I need some of you white people to come over on the black side and preach with me a little bit here. Come on, y'all help me out here. All right, all right. Listen, not at a funeral. Let's do this. So if you're single, instead of looking for the right person, allow God to make you the right person. Listen to me. Our entire life is preparation for marriage. But not the marriage you're thinking of. Your entire life is preparation for you to be the bride of Christ. You're to be married to him. Even your marriage is a reflection of our marriage to God. Y'all with me? 
you are all, your, your entire life is preparation for that day when one day you meet Jesus and realize he's the only one who completes me. Jerry Maguire just got it wrong to the wrong person. God is the only one who completes you. And if you look for it in somebody else and not in God, you will constantly be, be frustrated. Okay. Um, before I talk to married people, let me just share, because that that's a lot of my story. Lindsay and I, this April, will be married 13 years. Yeah, you can clap for her because she's put up with me for 13 years. Um, yeah, that's what you were clapping for. Thank you. And so, yeah, but it didn't always start out that way. It didn't always start out amazing. We, we were at odds with one another. Uh, we were both, we went, I'm, I'm a Texas city boy, oldest of three. She's an only child. Cajun girl. She don't want to admit it, but she's a Cajun girl, only child here. I'm a city boy. And so when, when our worlds came together, I, we both went to a ministry school at our church in Broussard. When our worlds came together, we despised each other. Like she thought I was extremely handsome, but, um, <laughs> you did. Yes, yeah, it's true. She's told me, but, but my attitude stunk. <laughs> I was so prideful and I was. And so I was this big city guy, came to country thinking, you know, I'm big stuff. And, and she thought he's hot, but he's not big stuff. And, and so for a year in our internship, we literally clashed. I clashed with her because I thought she was just an only child, spoiled girl that didn't know how to work and all this stuff. And she thought I was some prideful punk, which we both were. We both were. And so this whole year, though, this whole year of this intern discipleship session is, was a chance though for me not to go and find a girl. It was a chance for me to go and find God. And it was amazing though, that in that time, there was times where I was trying to look for girls and all that stuff. And God was always reminding me, you're not here for that. You're here for me. You come here for me. I'll take care of that. So at some point in that whole one year, I just made a commitment. I'm going to, I'm going to pursue God as much as I can. And you know what happened during that time? Guess where I went? Our Savior's Church Jennings. I came here at that time and just served with Pastor Bubba and was here with him. And we traveled here during that whole time and just helping with anything and everything that was needed 16 years ago. And during that time, after our school was over, it's amazing though. After that school was over, Lindsay and I just started becoming friends and the blinders came off. And I was like, oh, that's a hottie with a body that I need (laughs) in my life now. And uh, our engagement was three months. Okay. I mean business. Okay. Listen, it was, it was fast. I mean, when you know, you know, and, uh, and here we are 13 later, years later, and she is the most godly selfless woman godsend that I can only imagine ever having. And she's a gift to, to me and to many others. And it's uh, it's such a joy to be, uh, it's so, it's such a joy to have a wife who loves Jesus more than me. Let me tell you, you want a great wife, get a wife who loves Jesus more than you. And I promise you, because then she puts up with me. Because <laughs> she always goes to Jesus. Deal with him, okay? <laughs> deal with him. And God does. God does deal with me. Um, but it's just such a joy. And I'm going to tell you that. Listen, all the singles in here, you honor God. I, I, I heard a quote a while back. They said, run after God. And if you run after God fast enough and far enough and look over and somebody else is running after God too, just join hands with them and keep running. That's marriage right there. 
That's marriage right there. Most of us think, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go raise this guy up and he's going to be a man. I'm going to tell you, I do more counseling sessions with girls who think they're going to win their future husbands over to God. They get married to him and then he's still a bumping along, don't want to have anything to do with church, married. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. There's probably wives in here that could tell you that. Find a man who passionately loves Jesus and then just hook up with him. Find a woman. Amen? Amen. Some good preaching. Okay, all right. So if you're married in here, though, write this down. Here's a practical side for you. I will seek the one with my two. So for our singles, I will seek the one while preparing for my two. But for the marrieds in here, I will seek the one with my two. Most Christian couples, other than going to church, and I'm not even just talking about going to church, most couples don't seek God together. They don't. Let me tell you, if you don't seek God together, your odds are actually decreasing for the divorce. Or they're actually increasing for divorce. You you are on your way to divorce if you don't seek God together as a couple. I'll, I'll prove this to you in just a minute. But notice I said that I will seek the one with my two. So let's get this thing straight real quick, though. Most of us, though, the number two is not our spouse. The number two is our job. The number two is our hobbies. The number two is what we love to do. The the number two is not our spouse. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest problems that I see in marriage couples. They put so much attention on their kids and not on their marriage. And so what happens is after 18 years of pouring their life into kids and the kids are gone and they're like, I don't even know you. You know why? Because we put so much time on these kids that we didn't spend time with one another. And let me tell you something. You want a healthy family? You need a healthy marriage. You want great kids? Work on the marriage first. Okay? Invest in that. And so my challenge is, what is your number two? You can ask your spouse. They'll tell you. They know what you're passionate about. You know why? Because it's where you spend your time. It's where you spend your money. It's what you talk about all the time. So the question is, is that your spouse? Or is that something else? If it's not your spouse, then my encouragement to you is make that your spouse. If you are married in here, pursue God, God one, spouse number two. Now I want to give you some tools here on how we seek God. Let's get really practical here. I love it when God in his word says, do this this way. And then science or research that's secular comes on top of that and says, yeah, they're actually right. It does work this way. I love it. When people confirm what the Bible already says. So in your notes, I put what a Harvard study did. They went and, and, and uh, did a study on thousands and thousands of marriages. And this is what this study revealed. Look at it. That only one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they did just three simple things that are found in God's word. So a secular study did a research and found that if you do these three things that are in God's word... If you'll do these three, you'll have a one, not a one out of two chance. You'll have a one out of 1,246 chance. Now, let me ask you this real question before, question before we go any further. If you're going down a terminal and they got two selections, you can get on this plane or this plane. Hey, this plane over here, one out of every two, it goes down. This plane over here, one out of 1,246. Which one do you want? Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I need to ask that question unless you're just... Unless you're like a thrill taker. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll roll it. Let's go. <laughs> of course, we're going to go for the one that's the thousand. So let's go for it. 
You want to know how to get it? You want to know how to get it? Okay, let me show you how to get it. Three things real quick, and then we'll wrap this whole thing up. First one, pray together. Harvard and God's word both came together and agreed that a couple that prays together stays together. A couple that prays together stays together. Now, when I talk about this, though, for those of you that maybe are new to church, new to the faith, maybe you've been in it for a while, you probably say when it comes to prayer, it can get a bit uncomfortable, especially if I have to do it publicly. How many would admit to that? It can be a bit awkward at times. Okay, that's fine. It totally is. It totally can be. Um, Here's my encouragement, though. Listen to my encouragement. My encouragement is if you want a better marriage, which I think everybody in here wants to increase the odds, then you need to embrace the uncomfortableness. You've got to embrace it. Look with me in James chapter 5. Let's read this verse together. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to, what's those two words? To each other. Okay, highlight that, circle that, each other. Now watch, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Notice this though. We always quote the last part of this verse. That the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Well, don't detach it from what it actually is about. It's not about that the prayer of a righteous man is effective. It's about when you confess what's going on in your life to somebody else and then pray for one another, then it's powerful and effective. It's how it is, okay? So, so we've got to learn to pray together. Let me give you some practical tips on praying together, okay? I, I mean, there'll be, there'll be times during my week, I've got meetings, I'm up at 5.30 in the morning and then up till late at night doing counseling sessions after work hours and it's been a long day and I'll get a text and it'll say my superwoman on it, which is, by the way, only one person, okay? Um, and so it'll say my superwoman, I'll, I'll, I'll slash it over and open it up and it'll say, I see you got a meeting today because she's got my calendar and she knows my, the schedule of my week. I know you got a big meeting and you're doing some counseling sessions. Go for it, big sexy. No, I'm not a nice one. <laughs> She'll be like, I, I miss you, my Mexican muchacho. You also. That's, yeah, it sounds just like her, doesn't it? I add those tags. When I read it, I just add those to myself. Uh, no, but she will. This is, that's not a joke. She will text me often many times throughout the week. I love you. Can't wait for you to be home. Take these dang kids away from me. No. <laughs> no. Just encouragement. Hey, I'm praying for you, thinking about you. Let me tell you what prayer is. Prayer is just being aware of other people's needs. Here's the question. Let me ask you. How's your wife? Don't ask her right now, because if you've got to ask her, then that means you don't know. How's your husband? Is he stressed? Is he working a lot? What's going on? What's his week like? What's your week like? Prayer, being prayerful for one another is just, I'm just mindful of what your week is like. And so it's just constantly encouraging to one another. Hey, I'm in your world. I know what's going on. Most people... I'll tell you what, most couples live back to back. I go do my thing, you go do your things. When I get home, you go do your thing. And when you get home, I go do my thing. And they live back to back. They sleep back to back. Everything is back to back. They go do stuff with the kids, but they don't do stuff on each other. They don't even know what's going on in each other's world. Get into each other. It doesn't need to be back to back. It needs to be face to face. You want to have a great marriage? Go face to face, not back to back. Start talking at dinner. Sit down with dinner. Throw away the phone. Turn off the TV and say, hey, how was your day today? How you doing? 
You all right? What's going on? Talk to me. That's prayer. That's prayer. Hey, I know you had a long day with the kids today. Just praying for you today. Hey, I know this is what's going on. Hey, let me give a warning to singles though. Okay? If you're single in here, let me give you a warning. Don't pray with the opposite sex, opposite sex alone. Okay? We don't want to go into like, you know, speaking in tongues and laying on of hands and all that stuff. Okay? Y'all will get that in a little bit. Okay? <clears throat> Not the spiritual speaking in tongues, by the way. All right. Oh, oh it's, it's clicking. Okay. Y'all, y'all will get there. All right. That's, that's cheesy. I'm sorry. Let me tell you why you need to be careful about praying with the opposite sex. Let me tell you. Because prayer is a very spiritual, intimate, and bonding thing. When I share my heart and you pray for me, there's something that bonds there. And if it's somebody of the opposite sex, there is a bond that will happen, that will take place with that other person. And so you need to be careful about doing that. But with that, for men in here that are, that are married or on their way to marriage, the most sexy thing you can do is grab that woman's hand and, and just start praying for her. Okay, at least got one amen on that one. Okay, just, just start, just grab her hand and just pray that day. God, just pray your blessing on her. Lord, be with her today. Give her strength. Give her grace to handle. Come on, that's some good stuff right there. Okay, so pray together. Here's number two. Discuss the Bible together. Remember, this is Harvard study and God's word, both confirming. If you do these two things, or three things, here's, but the second one is discuss the Bible together. Now, let me just let this out, out on the table. Lindsay and I don't read our Bibles together, okay? It don't work, okay? I'm, I'm over there reading. She's reading. She's like, ah, she wants to talk. And I'm like, I'm reading. Stop. And so we've learned that she does her reading usually in the kitchen. I'll go to the office or the living room, and I'll do my reading. And we, we, do, it, we do it separately. We don't even rarely even do family devotions together. Um, we've tried it. Like twice. <laughs> and you're like, hey, kids, let's get together. We're going to read the Bible together. And then you're starting to read it like, shut up. And you start reading. Hey, we're going to talk about loving each other today. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Jesus loves us. <laughs> and he loves you too. Get in the room. I'm about to love you right now. <laughs> so we don't. We rarely do, devo- we'll do it every once in a while, but we rarely do devotions together. Let me tell you how we do this, though. In our, in our home, we let it be a lot more organic. And let me show you, because there's a verse that, that I learned this from. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this. It says, these commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Now, this is, this is to parents in here. Impress them on your what? On your children. Now, watch this. There's gonna, he's going to tell you four ways that you can do this. Talk about them when you sit down at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Just, just write this down in your notes if you want. If you're a parent, write this down. Four key areas that you can really have spiritual conversations with your kids. The best places, it's found in here. Okay? When they get up in the morning, when they get up in the morning, dinner time, when you're driving in the car, and bedtime. It's the four greatest times to have spiritual conversations with your kids. Now, I'm not saying you can't have them any other time. I'm just saying in those times is usually the time when things are settled down a little bit. It's not crazy. Starting the morning, hey, good morning, sunshine. Hey, praying for you today. On your drive to school, praying over your kids in the back. God bless them. 
Keep away any demonic other kids away from my kids. Good company corrupts, bad company corrupts, good moral. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just praying over your kids at dinner time. Hey, kids, how was your day? What's going on? I've had more spiritual conversations with my, my sons, though, at nighttime, at bedtime than any other time. So I'm sitting down with them, and guess what? They're just sharing their heart. No other brothers are in the room. We're just having just this one. Hey, hey, bud, how was your day? It was rough today, Dad. What's, what went on? I mean, I'm... I've extended bedtime like an hour sometimes just sitting there having some one-on-one conversations with Judah or Josiah or Joel. Man, take advantage of those times. It's, I'll be honest with you, though. It's hard because at night, I'm just ready to get them in bed. You know, Lindsay and I, we're not wanting heart-to-heart time. I'm like, get your bed in butt time and go to sleep time. And so it's, listen, it's honest. It's a fight sometimes for me to engage in that. But I'm learning, man, I've got to engage in my kid to discuss the Bible together and I need to do that with my wife. Let me tell you how my wife and I do that. We do that. We're involved in life groups here at the church. I lead one. She leads one. Her and Miss Tracy just started one. How many ladies came to the Thursday night? Come on, wasn't that good? Awesome. If you're not in one, get in one. Next Sunday, we'll do a whole life group rally to, to share with you all the groups that we do. Get in one. Every Friday morning at 6 a.m. from 6 to 7, I'm sitting down with a group of 15 to 20 guys, and we're just breaking open the Bible, sharing our hearts with one another, praying for one another. You need that. You need that. We need that. Your spouse needs that. We need to be doing that more and more. Sundays, listen to me. Sunday's not good enough. You need more than that. It's good to hear me preach, but you need to be around somewhere else where you can share what's going on in your life. Because I'm not asking you what's going on in your life right now. I'm the only one talking. But you need to be around some people where you can go, it's been a rough week. Y'all with me? Okay, all right. I don't want to belabor that point too much. So pray together, discuss the Bible together, and this one is attend church together. Now you say, well, Pastor Josh, we don't have to talk about this one. I'm here. I know you're here. But I want to take it a step further. I'm not talking about just attending church together. I'm talking about attending church together faithfully. Faithfully. I'm not talking about once every two months. I'm not talking about once every six weeks. I'm talking about that you are devoted to the house of God. That you are planted in the house of God. I want you, th- listen, I'm challenging everybody in this room to make church a we don't miss thing in our family. We don't miss it. It's not if the weather is okay and it's not raining, it's not if the series is okay, it's not if Pastor Josh is preaching or Pastor Bubba is preaching or somebody else, it's not if, if there's no sports games playing, it's a we don't miss church type of commitment. And I, I, I'm, I, want, I love that my boys, I mean, I'm here all day Sunday and Judah, my kids fight over who gets to come with me early in the mornings. I want to go. And literally, Lindsay will text me in the middle of a first service and going, you just left a, a trail of stuff going on here because two kids over here are screaming because they didn't get to go to church today and you took one of them. And so I have to, we got to work through some of those things. But I love that my kids are fighting to come to church. It's not like I got to drag them. And let me tell you something for all of you parents in here that are dragging your kids to church. Keep dragging them. Keep dragging them because in the presence of God, God can change them. I had a drug problem too. My mom drugged me to church all the time. It's a serious drug problem, but I'm a pastor now. Thank God my wife, my, my, wife, my mom drugged me to church. And so I, I say all that to say, let's make church a big deal. You know, it was a big deal in Jesus' life. 
Well, yeah, he was Jesus. Oh, of course he was. But he went to church. Let me show you. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. His childhood. It's where he was. Now look at this. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Now watch this. He went into church as was his custom. Custom. You know, I'll have people sometimes after church, you know, I'm walking out there just greeting people, you know, when we end service. And and I had one person one time say, man, such an awesome message. I'm so glad we made it to church today. And I knew that they were trying to compliment me, and I, I took the compliment. But the question that I asked back was, trying to make it church today? Like it wasn't on your schedule? Like for you to be here? Like it was just like, I just happened to be there, and I'm glad I was there. Like, it should just be like, that's a non-negotiable. I would hope it would just be like, we're at church every Sunday. So are y'all with me here? Now understand, listen, don't get me wrong. And I don't, there's no condemnation. If you got a job and you can't be here and there's things that are going on and doesn't allow you, listen, by all means, we totally understand. But if you can make the conscious choice to be here and can be here, be here. Here's why it's so important. Because you never know what day God's going to do something big. You don't get to determine when God does that. He does. And so here's my thing. God, I just want to be at everything. So when you do do it, I'll be there. Y'all with me? Miss Tracy was sharing a statistic with me just a minute ago that her and Pastor Bubba read that said, so we said 50% of people end in divorce. They they, they had a statistic, 85% of people who attend church, attend life groups, get involved, serve. They have an 85% chance of their, their marriage being successful. Come on, how many want to raise your, how many want to raise that number up? You know, there's a story of a guy who was on a plane and the stewardess, we're going to wrap it up here. There's a stewardess that was coming down the, coming down the aisles, getting food orders. And so he comes up, she comes up to the man and says, would you like dinner or not? Would would you like dinner? And so he said, what's my options? To which she replied, yes or no. (laughs) That's your options. Here's, here's why I bring that up. When there's so many things on your plate that are at the same priority level, it's hard to make a decision. Go to Chick-fil-A. What do you want? Um, Chicken or chicken? I'll take chicken. Why? Because that's the only thing they have. Go to Raisin Cane. Do you want chicken or you want chicken? This is what I'm telling you to do. Listen to me here. Life change happens when what is the most priority is put up at the top. When it comes to the things of God, seek God first. Notice the priority there first. When I seek God first, then all these things work out. This is my, this is what I'm telling you to do. Make church a first. Don't let baseball or weather or football go to the same level that church is. Y'all with me here? Do you want to go to church? It's a, what's my options? Yes or no. That's your options. It's not if, if the day looks good, we want to go do something else. And listen, let's make this a part. Because why is this important? Listen to me. Why is this important? Because I want to raise your odds. How many want 50-50? Don't do any of this. No, I don't want 50-50. That was a trick question. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yes, I want 50. No, you don't want 50-50. How many want 1 and 1,246? Pray together. Read the word together. Attend church faithfully together. Let me show you how this plays out. We're going to wrap 
all this up. Psalms 127, it says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. You can go to all the counseling you want. You can read all the books on marriage that you want. But if the Lord's not building your family, the Lord's not building your marriage, the Lord's not building your home, you're laboring in vain. And I don't want you to labor in vain. I w- how many want God to build your family? Come on. You're a terrible builder. You and I, we, don't, we destroy things. We're good at demo. We're not good at building. God's good at building. And when it says, when God builds your family, nothing can take it down. Nothing can take it down. Let God build your family. Last one is this. Fill in your blank. The number one essential for healthy relationships is living a God-first life. You want to have healthy relationships? And this isn't just marriage. You want to have healthy friendships? You want to have a healthy dating relationship? You want to have healthy family? You want to have healthy friends? Make God first being the most important in your selections of the friends that you have. Here's my thing. The friends that I associate with, that I have deep in my life, they got to love Jesus first. Because when they love Jesus first, they're going to be a great friend. The same is with your spouse. Same is with that. We can do a start over. Now, I want us to do this as we wrap all this up. I want to encourage you because I believe that God can give you a fresh start. How many believe that? How many many believe God can give you a from this day moment right now, from this day forward moment, that he can give you a fresh start, he can give you a a, a do-over, he's good at mulligans, if we put God first, and I understand, listen, I understand some of you are in desperate places, you're in a desperate place right now, your marriage is not looking good, maybe you're out on your own, maybe you and your your spouse are separated, maybe, I I don't know what's going on in your marriage, maybe it's going great. And if it is, praise God. But I can tell you this. Everything that we just read about, praying first, uh, uh, praying together, discussing the Bible together, attending church faithfully. Let me tell you what it's going to take on your end. Courage. Courage. It's going to just, all it, all it takes from you is just to take the step. Oh, man, I, don't, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't, just step. God will give you what to say. Man, I don't know how to do this Bible thing. Come ask us. We'll help you. We have tons of resources to help you get into the word. Get into a life group. Get plugged in. Get growing. Get stepping. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what my prayer has been for this series even more than anything. My prayer has been for men. My prayer has been for the men. I love you ladies. But we believe that if there's healthy men, there will be healthy families. It's just how we believe it. Because, because God, yeah, it's great. I don't know. Are we going or not going? I don't know. Okay, so. Don't leave him stranded like that. Okay, so. So my, my encouragement, listen, and all, every man look at me. My encouragement to you is you lead. When's the last time your kids have heard you pray for them? When's the last time you've engaged their heart? Does your wife have to drag you to church or are you dragging the family? Are you the one that's getting up going, let's go kids. Come on. Or is it the, your wife? That's, come on, babe. Come on. May we as men step to the plate and have courage 
step up in these areas, acknowledge where we failed, but we step into praying, communicating about the Bible, talking about the Bible, getting connected in this church. You step up and you, you take that next step. I pray that you would be the one that gets involved. I pray for the women as well, but I believe when the health, when the health of a husband does that, the family rises. Do you know that when a wife gets saved, the chance of a, of, a, of a husband getting saved is 17%, but when the husband gets saved, the chances of the wife getting saved is 89%? Do you, do you not think that God designed that men to be the lead? Nothing against women. That doesn't devalue you. That actually honors you. So God's here for you. Listen, as men, if you failed it, own it. Own it today. From this day forward. Amen? We can have it from this day forward. Bow your heads all across this room. I want to pray for you. Listen, some of you today, you're not living a God-first life, and you know that. As we've been sharing this, talking about this, he's on your list because you're here. He's on your list, but he's not the first. He's not at the top of your list. And salvation, really, at the end of the day, salvation's not going to church. Salvation's not even baptism. You know what salvation is? Salvation is, God, I just put you first. I surrender myself. It's, no, it's not me first. It's you first. You are the first. If there's those of you in here in this room and you, God is not first, and you want to make God first, you want to be born again, a relationship with God from this day forward, I'm going to pray for you. But if you'll be honest enough, would you just put your hand in the air and say, can you count me in on that prayer? Come on, got hands going up all over the place. Count me in on that prayer. Count me in on that prayer. God, we just pray right now, Lord, for every hand that's raised. God, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to them. God, we pray, Lord, that that you already are speaking to them. God, you already are. Lord, we pray right now, God, that you would be with them. Come on, can you just repeat this after me? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me from this day moment. God, we pray today that you would forgive us, that you would give us a clean start. We repent of our sins. We repent of putting ourselves first. And today, we put you first. Help us to live for you and to put our wives, our husbands, fill in that however that works, as number two. Today we honor you. Thank you for saving me and healing my heart. I live for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for every person who made that?